Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Well, this is a camp meeting. And uh, I love studying church history. There's the original camp meeting was this thing called Cane Ridge. Anybody heard of Cane Ridge? It was in 1801. It was a big revival in the hills of Kentucky. A bunch of good Presbyterian folks came out there. And at this camp meeting, they had exercises. This is what Barton Stone called them. They did exercises. He was the leader there. And so they had the running exercise. Anybody ever seen the running exercise? The Holy Spirit comes on people and they start running around. They had the laughing exercise, which Brother Mark's been talking about quite a bit. Then they had the falling exercise. And this is what he wrote about the falling exercise. The subject of this exercise would generally, with a piercing scream, fall like a log on the floor, earth, or mud, and appear as dead. (laughs) The singing exercise is the most unaccountable thing that I ever saw. The subject, in a very happy state of mind, would sing most melodiously, not from the mouth or nose, Singing from your nose is bad anyway, but entirely in the breast. Such music silenced everything. And they also had the jerks. Anybody ever seen the jerks? The jerking exercise. He said sometimes the subject would be afflicted, it would be affected, not afflicted, affected, in one member of the body and sometimes the whole system. Two hundred years ago, these people, good Presbyterian people out in the hills of Kentucky, experiencing this stuff. You know what that tells me? You guys aren't quite as weird as maybe you thought you were. <laughs> or at least there's been weird people all throughout history. We drove up to this conference recently in Washington, D.C. We had never been to this church, and we were there for actually for my graduation. And we pulled into the parking lot, and we saw these people outside praying for this lady, and this lady going like this. And, Molly, Molly looked at that lady and she said, we have found our people. These are, this, this, we're home. These are our folks. So here's what I want to do. Everybody just hold out your hands like this and say this with me. Holy Spirit, I honor you. I'm open to what you have for me. I know there's more. So I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm going to teach just a little bit, but you won't bother me. If you feel the Lord start to touch you, just go with it. It's all good. And... Um, I'm going to pray for people at the end. I won't, if people start screaming and running around or whatever, I don't mind, okay? Ha, ha, ha. Amen. The theme verse for this conference is Acts 3. So like a good associate pastor, I, I read what the conference was about, and I'm going to use the actual verse. Amen. <laughs> so... So everybody look at Acts 3, 19 and 20. Peter said this, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that when the times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will send Jesus the Messiah 
who was preached unto you. Repent and be converted that your sins might be blotted out so you can receive these times of refreshing which have to do with Jesus the Messiah. The times of refreshing. What on earth is he talking about? Well, clearly in the context, he's talking about the stuff that just happened in Acts 2, where there's fire and there's wind and there's people speaking in tongues. And uh, I love what Pastor Mark says. I stole this actually the other day. He says, you can't have fire on your head and act normal. I did, I did give him credit, though. So um, that's true. So there's all these powerful things happening in Acts 2, but there's more than that. In fact, I told my church on Sunday, immediately after this baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire of God and all this stuff, it says in 2.42, they continued daily in the apostles' teaching, doctrine. So that means teaching is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So if people aren't shake, rattling, and rolling, but there's anointed teaching, is the Holy Spirit still moving? So they, they continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. That means that they liked each other. That means a manifestation of the Holy Spirit is that people got along and they actually had brotherly love. You ever been in a Holy Spirit meeting and you hugged somebody that you didn't know and you're like, man, I've been there. And I'm like, I love you, man. I don't know these people. Jesus does this. So there's all these manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But what I want you to try to understand this morning is that these things that happen are not just uh, something of themselves. They point to a greater reality. They're signs. And so I'm going to show you what they're a sign of. I, couldn't, I can't do all this in the time I've got, but I'm going to show you just a small picture of it out of John 2. I think sometimes we read the scripture, we read the gospels, and we think that Jesus, he's just kind of wandering around healing people and doing teaching and stuff, but the real goal is the cross and the resurrection. And that's true. I mean, the cross and the resurrection are the culmination of his ministry, but all the stuff leading up to that is important too. And what's going on is that his, in his entire life, death, burial, and resurrection, he's inaugurating or beginning the kingdom of God. He's starting a new nation, the church, on the earth. That's why he says in Mark 1.15, repent, change how you think, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, believe the good news. What's the good news? Good news, the kingdom's here. The kingdom in first century Palestine, in the way that they thought, is not, is not in outer space. It's not getting sucked up when you die or something. Now, thank God that we go to heaven when we die. But when they talked about the kingdom of God, they're talking about the realm of God's dominion extending itself down here, talking about heaven coming to earth. That's why Jesus said, Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Brother Philip is doing, going around ministering these places, is he is extending the realm of God's dominion over the earth. He's bringing heaven to earth. That's our assignment. 
Thank God we get to go to heaven when we die, but while I'm here, I'm supposed to bring heaven down here. I'm supposed to make earth more like heaven. And what Jesus does is he goes about setting up this kingdom. And so all of the stuff he's doing is showing us what that kingdom's like. When we saw Jesus heal people just a moment ago, he's showing us that the kingdom looks like health and well-being and restoration of all that was lost. But I want to show you something else that's startling, how Jesus opened up the kingdom. Because it's not how I would have done it. It's not in the church planting books. I've read all the church planting books. I went to church planting school. Went to a conference. I, man, I knew a lot about church planting. And I, told, I learned, you got to write out a business plan, and then you got to find the best businessman you know, and you got to have him look at it. And he's going to tell you what's wrong with it. And then you go back and correct it, and you resubmit it. And then you go and you pray and you fast. And you fast and you pray. And you win the war in the Spirit. Listen, I believe all this stuff. But this isn't actually how Jesus inaugurated his kingdom. It's not how he started it. He started it in John 2 in a way that we would not. So let's read it. It says, the third day there was a marriage. Excuse me. Yeah, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Most scholars think this was probably a relative of Jesus. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they don't have any wine. And Jesus said, woman, what is that to do with me? My hour is not yet come. It sounds a little harsh there, but in the Greek, he's, this is a, a term of endearment. He's not being mean. He's, he's saying, mama, I love you, but what am I supposed to do about it? It's not the right time. In other words, the kingdom's going to come, but there's a plan about when. And the when is not right now. That's what Jesus is saying. And here's how Mary replies. Actually, he doesn't reply. She doesn't reply. She just looks to the servants, and she says, whatever he says to you, do it. That's amazing. And there were six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said, now draw out and take the governor of the feast. And he bore it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not where it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said, every man at the beginning sets forth the good wine. And when men have gotten well drunk, you know, when they quit paying attention to whether or not the wine's any good, then that's when they bring out the worst. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of miracles that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the beginning. This is how Jesus started his kingdom. This is how Jesus started revealing his glory. His glory is, I, I appreciate the, the physical weightiness and all this and you know, at Azusa Street, they had a glory cloud, and I'm into all that. If a cloud shows up, I'll be happy. But really, the point of the glory is the manifested character and nature of God. It's God revealing to us who He is. So John's saying here, this is how God revealed to us who He was, right here at this wedding. So what's He revealing? 
Well, the first thing he's revealing, which is just incredible, is the astonishing humility of God. Because he's got a plan. And this is not the right time to launch the kingdom. This is not the right time to start the miracles. But there's a woman there that has favor. There's a woman there that has faith. And what was reserved for a later time suddenly got pulled back into the present. And the party that was supposed to be later suddenly became possible in the now. And Jesus altered the prophetic timetable because of this woman's faith. He does things like this all the time. He's amazing. He's wandering on his way. He's not wandering. He's with a purpose on his way to Jerusalem to die on the cross. How many of you think that's pretty important? The earth-shattering event, right? Changed the whole world. He's on his way there, and he looks up outside of Jericho, and there's this man, a tax collector in a tree. And he knows who's following him. It's a big crowd of people. And in this crowd, there's likely zealots. Zealots were a faction of people that hated Rome. And they wanted to violently overthrow the Romans, and they had daggers they'd carry around in their, in their robes, and they'd look for opportunities to shank people. <laughs> I'm not joking. And one of the people they hated were these tax collectors, because they're Jews serving the Romans. They're traitors. Benedict Arnold's. Jesus looks up there, he sees Zacchaeus, he sees the crowd. And he thinks, I've got to arrest my plan, and i got to go back. He'd already left Jericho. He's already on the other side, already on his way to Jerusalem. He's like, i got to change plans and save that guy's life. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to stay with you. It's amazing. He's amazing. He's so humble. He's so glorious. But the main thing I want to focus on this morning is that he's showing us that his kingdom is actually a place of joy. And the deal is, Jesus made an obscene amount of wine. If you do the math on this, it's like 120 to 180 gallons of wine. Now, I don't know much about drinking, but there may have been 50 folks at this deal. And so we're talking about multiple gallons of wine per person. <laughs> that offends my Protestantness. <laughs> Get this. He made enough wine to last to the end of the party. I'll come back to that in a second. On the surface level, what this shows is Jesus started his kingdom by throwing a party. It teaches us on the surface level that Jesus literally wants us to enjoy life. It's so simple, but it's so profound. The God of the universe actually wants you to be happy. 
You might say, well, but not that happy. Well, no, like outrageously, <laughs> outrageously, uncontrollably, offensively happy. Because if you're going to drink multiple gallons of wine, you're either going to pass out or you're going to get real happy. And this is the good stuff, man. This is the good wine. One time I was at a meeting and uh, <laughs> I was at a meeting and uh, I was getting free. I was really messed up actually at the meeting. And these kids came by like teenagers. And they were like, they looked at me and they said, you can't drink a whole barrel of wine. And I said, yes, I can. And they said, you can't drink a whole, and I said, yes, I can. And they said, here. And they went like this, and they just, they, they held their hands together, and they went like this. They dumped an invisible barrel of wine over my head. And I, I the, the power got hit me, and I fell over. I, man, it was insane. It was intense. So anyway, <laughs> I can drink a whole barrel. Amen? There's one for me. There might be one for you too. Everybody say, I can drink a whole barrel. This is, this is how I stay sane, guys. Do you understand what it's like pastoring? I mean, you... See, the reason Lawson's laughing so much is because he knows. Let me, let me try to make an actual spiritual point here before I... There's a, there's a reason. Look, look at this. This is actually really important, theologically. <laughs> Isaiah 25. Read this scripture. Isaiah 25, 6 through 9 says, In this mountain there will be the Lord of hosts will make unto all people. Everybody say all people. A feast of fat things. A feast of wines on the leaves. I don't know what that means, but I think it's the good wine. It's the wine on the leaves. Well refined, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall be taken away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. This verse... The first century Jews believed was about the great messianic banquet. They believed that when the end times came and the Messiah comes, that there's going to be a great big party. And they kind of had a problem with the part where it said all nations are going to be invited. In fact, some of them thought, well, the Messiah is going to invite everybody, but then when the Gentiles show up, he's going to kill them. That's how they interpreted that, because they were that messed up in their thinking. That's why Jesus had such a hard time with his disciples. If you know, I mean, they were, they were racist. They hated the Gentiles. That's why Jesus had to spend so much time straightening out their thinking. How many of you are Gentiles out here? Amen. 
So thank God Jesus didn't kill all of us. The point, though, is there's going to be a great big party with lots and lots of wine. What's that miracle about? It's Jesus saying, the party's already started. Now it's going to come to come to pass totally when Jesus comes back, but you're already in the kingdom right now. The wine's already available. And listen, there's more than enough wine to make it to the end. There's more than enough to make it to the end of the party. We aren't going to run out of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, well, we leak all the time. I don't know if you leak. Somebody else said, I mean, I don't think I leak. I'm not broken. Jesus healed me. Somebody else said, well, we give him away. I believe that. That's true. And sometimes I get tired and I need filled back up and all this stuff. But I want to offer a different perspective. Do you know that God is infinite? Do you know that the people in Acts 2 were filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you know they were filled again in Acts 4? Yes. It's in the Bible, right? So can you be filled with the Holy Spirit and then be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Because, yeah, be being filled because he's infinite. And you can have him and there can still be more. There can still be more. There is more. There's always more. When am I supposed to be done, Pastor? One? Okay. Thanks, Ashley. There's enough wine to make it to the end of the party. This miracle also points to the Last Supper, the new Passover. When you take communion, you're supposed to realize, hey, I'm already part of God's family right now, and I'm celebrating right now what will one day exist over the whole earth. One day the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But right now it's already covering me, so I ought already be celebrating. And as I celebrate, get this, it releases the glory. As I celebrate, I draw people into the kingdom because if you're happy, people will think maybe I ought to get some of that. Because the world can't counterfeit this stuff. And so when we take communion, we're celebrating the fact that the devil's been defeated, that our sins are forgiven, that God's rule has begun. He's already my king. So I already celebrate. So that just means it's time to party. So the point is that Acts 2, really, so you got John 2, where Jesus is doing this kind of symbolic act, but it's really saying the party's starting. But then that really forecasts into Acts 2, where the new wine's poured out and the fire of God hits people. And it's really amazing. And we need this. We need it because life is hard. In the past nine years, ten years, I have given, I have had four kids, actually Esther in the back there, this is her birthday. 
So Molly always says, at least I'm not having a baby today. So <laughs> it's her third birthday. But in the past 10 years, we've had four kids. We planted a church. At different times, I've held four jobs. I've uh, ministered to I don't know how many people. All these kinds of things happen. I've at times lived in what seems to me like just a state of, of just, I don't know what's, it's like, how did I get here? 10 years have gone by and I've seen all these things happen. And it's almost like delirium. It reminds me a little bit of when my first one was born. My firstborn, Isaac, uh, he, none of my kids have slept very good, but when he was first born, uh, it was terrible. You, you remember your first one, right? You don't know anything. You don't know how to deal with it. And they're crying and stuff. And, and so I'm trying to help as best as I can. And uh, we'd wake up in the middle of the night, and Molly'd nurse him, and then I'd take him, and I'd try to rock him back to sleep. And one time, we were just so exhausted, and, and Molly's sitting there just, just exhausted, and I'm trying to change his diaper. And so I, I'm doing that, and I'm half asleep. And all of a sudden, there's a cobweb that's like attacking my face. And, and I'm like, in the middle of the night, and there's this cobweb, this is, and, and I'm like, what, what is this? And I look over, and my wife back there, she's laughing at me. And she's laughing so hard, she's laughing right now. <laughs> she's laughing so hard, she starts crying. And I look down, and my son is just peeing all over me, just, just, I mean, just really impressive pelvic floor muscles, just shooting that stuff up, and I'm, and I'm going like this, and, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this is hard. This is really hard. This is, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to sleep. I'm suffering here. God, help me. <laughs> and I tell you what, pastoring a church ain't too different than that. It's <laughs> woo. It's you look down and <laughs> there's people doing stuff all over the place. Sometimes literally. You gotta hire a good janitor. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come. More and more and more. It's hard. So we have to have these seasons of refreshing. We have to have these times of fun. We have to embrace the joy of the Lord. We have to realize that, you know, it's okay. And some of the most serious, powerful people on the planet are get, I mean, are, are some of the drunkest. I was at this conference. Anybody heard of Heidi Baker? I mean, you love Heidi Baker. She's an amazing woman of God, Mozambique. So I was at this conference and she was out in the lobby and I walked by her and I was like, oh, it's Heidi Baker. And I didn't say anything because I was scared, but I just, <laughs> I just kind of walked past her. And then she had, you know, this big guy following around too, so I was scared of him too. But, but anyway, and, and she, um, she's out there and she's just talking to people. And then all of a sudden I looked over and she's praying for some folks. 
And then all of a sudden, those folks are on the floor. And they're all laughing and stuff. And then she's staggering around the lobby of this hotel. Just down the way is, a, is a, the Freemasons <laughs> are having a conference. Not joking. So they're manifesting their spirits down there. And we're letting the Holy Ghost out where we're at. But anyway, she's out there wandering around in this lobby. And uh, and me and my buddy Josh are there. And we love this stuff. We love the Holy Ghost stuff. But we didn't want to intrude. So we're just standing back. We're just watching. We just want to see. And pretty soon there's like 50 people laying on the floor out there just in the lobby. And she's staggering around praying for everybody. And finally, <laughs> and there's people, there's like her handlers falling around, you know, like making sure and, and stuff. But then he falls out. And, and, and so, um, and me and Josh are looking at, we love, we love this stuff. Like, this is awesome, you know. And then finally, her, somebody comes up to her and they say, Heidi, the meeting's starting. Because Randy Clark's in there and he's about to preach. And she's got half the, the conference out in the lobby watching her. And so she wheels around and she says, the meeting's starting. And she said, okay. And she started walking like this into the meeting. And she, I'm not joking, she walked right past me. And my buddy Josh was right here. He's like, I wish I'd been recording this. And she goes, to me, right here. And I blew back like 20 feet. I flipped over this bench and I laid on the ground like I'd been electrocuted. And my buddy Josh looked at me and he's like, that is the funniest thing I have ever seen. And I said, I'm scared of that woman. She's, she is so anointed. Listen, there's an anointing. There's a presence of God that's so real. People used to come to Catherine Kuhlman's meetings to make fun of her, and the presence of God would fall and touch them, and they'd fall out in the spirit and wake up and give their lives to Jesus. Some people would walk past. Yeah. The spirit of God's touching you, sister. People would walk past the outside of her meetings and not even go in. And the power of God would fall on them, touch them. Just like that, right there. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. They'd fall down. (laughs) They'd fall down. And they'd give their lives to Jesus. The presence of God is real. It's the most precious thing we have. It's the most precious thing we have. It's the most precious thing we have. (laughs) You can see him fall on people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me see if I have any more notes. (laughs) 
I was going to tell you some of my testimony, but I'm running out of time. So I'm just going to give you some practical advice, and then Molly and I are going to pray for you. <laughs> Fire! <laughs> This is a funny story. I'm going to tell it because I want to. <laughs> so at that same conference, this is how amazing a person I am. I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the meeting. And so I left and I came out of the bathroom, Ashley. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, no, no. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I look and there's Randy Clark right beside me and he just prayed for me the night before. And this is amazing. He prophesied over me that I would go to Mexico and be a fire starter. And then I didn't have any plans to go to Mexico, but in, in three weeks, <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you think that's funny? <laughs> it's funny. Pretty funny when God interrupts your plans, but so I didn't. I didn't want to go to Mexico. Actually, no, I'm saying this wrong. I planned to go to Mexico with my wife. We we're gonna to go to Cancun. We we're gonna have fun in Cancun on the third week of July. But then God said, "No, you're gonna to go to Mexico and start a fire." And I got invited on the third week of July to go to Mexico to get this, the fire conference. That's the name of the conference. So what do you do about that? You, my, my lightning fast brain said, I better go to that. Because God has to make it so easy for me that I, it's literally the name of the conference. But anyway, he had just prophesied. He had just prayed for me this. And so he said to me, he said to me, Philip, he was like, he was like, God was touching you powerfully last night. And, and I wanted so badly to say something profound. <laughs> or to say thank you or to be like, you know, I don't know. And, and so I looked at him and I was like, yeah. <laughs> And then I patted him on the back. <laughs> and I thought, I'm the biggest idiot. But God said, no, no. You're my son, and I love you. Amen? That doesn't have anything to do with Acts or what I was preaching, but it's a funny story. So I'm going to give you some advice, and then Molly and I are going to pray for anybody that wants to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that there's all kinds of manifestations of the Holy Spirit? When I began to speak in tongues for the first time, I um, began to get a hunger for the Word in a way that I hadn't before. Who's ever experienced that? And it's an amazing thing. If you've never experienced that, you can experience that. Uh, in the, the old version of the baptism of the Holy Spirit before Pentecostalism was, you'd get filled with the Holy Spirit and you'd get free from some kind of sin. They called it holiness. Anybody ever seen that, heard that testimony? 
God touched me. I was delivered from alcoholism. I was delivered from... It's real. Spirit of God's real. There's all kinds of things God can do. He can fill you. He can empower you. We've seen God touch people, and as a result, they heard the Lord more clearly. They began to operate in words of knowledge and see people healed. There's impartation and this kind of stuff. All this stuff's real. So I'm not going to try to make any particular thing happen. I'm just going to do an altar call here in just a moment to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to need catchers. And when you feel God touch you or if you just want to come up here, um, you, you just make a big line all the way across here. I've left a good time for us so we can do this. And the power of God is already here. Um, we will pray for as many of you as want us to pray for you. The Spirit of God will touch you and fill you and recharge you. And whatever walk of life you're in, you don't have to be a pastor to need recharged. You need to get filled up so you can go back out in the marketplace and tell people about Jesus. So just some practical advice real quickly. Experiences with God often start small. As you put faith in them, as you focus and yield, it can become more dramatic. Questioning whether or not one's experience with God is genuine is an almost universal experience. People always worry they're faking it. You're not faking it. There you go. You feel better? So just let it go. Don't worry about it. Don't pray when other people are praying for you. Now you can, I'm not gonna get mad at you. But a river only flows one direction. You're either giving or receiving. So be a receiver. Don't force something to happen, but don't fight things either. Focus on whatever God's doing and yield to it. Are you blessed? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. Let's have everybody stand up. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.